Remember me, O God, for my good. How many of us remember our years of memorization? This used to be, and in some cases still is, the method of retaining information, whether for a task, work requirement, or family responsibilities. According to researchers, memorization trains the brain to be quick, agile, and focused, and is the bedrock of critical thinking as it increases the capacity for new knowledge. Studies indicate that it increases the size and improves the function of memory-related brain structures, which in the long run helps push back the onset of dementia. Perhaps that's why it's important to start training ourselves and our children in scripture memorization for the word instructs us to hide his word in our hearts that we might not sin against him. The Apostle Paul encourages us to let the word of God richly dwell within us. If therefore God tells us to remember his word, his deeds, his love, why then do we think that he will forget his love for us, our earnest petitions or our faithful devotion to him? Nehemiah in particular seemed to be concerned about this. His family had been taken into exile during King Nebuchadnezzar's capture of Jerusalem. Yet Nehemiah had remained concerned for his fellow Jews in the state of his homeland, particularly of the broken city of Jerusalem. Although he now had an important position as King Artaxerxes' royal cupbearer, nonetheless he felt compelled to help in the rebuilding of his city. And God granted him favor with the king to accomplish this and positively responded to his request for letters of permission, timber for rebuilding, and leave to complete the task. Moreover, God aided them in the rebuilding process, despite the active resistance by enemies who fought against the work. Nehemiah even interceded for justice with his own people, sacrificing from his own resources to provide assistance to a suffering people. Yet he seems concerned that God will not recall all he has done to help his people, praying not once but numerous times, remember, O oh my God, all that I have done for these people and bless me for it. He says again, remember this good deed, O oh my God, and do not forget all that I have faithfully done for the temple of my God and its services. Again, remember this good deed also, O oh my God, have compassion on me according to your good and unfailing love. And finally, remember them O oh my God, for they have defiled the priesthood and the solemn vows of the priests and the Levites. In fact, he concludes his account of his work to rebuild the walls and the temple and restore the people to godly worship with, remember this in my favor, O oh my God. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt that you needed to remind God of all that you've done on his behalf? Have you ever felt that if he remembered your faithful devotion, perhaps he'd be more favorable to assist you in your requests for help? Lest we get concerned that our salvation does not come about by works, but by an act of his grace, which we accept through faith, as Paul teaches in Ephesians 2, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward, he says, for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. 
Yet, he proceeds to explain that when he created us anew in Christ Jesus, God wants us to do the good things he planned for us long ago. Therefore, there should be a genuine heartfelt response to the love, mercy, and grace of God, which is our acts of willing service in accordance with his will. Bible teacher Leon Morris explains it this way. It is the invariable teaching of the Bible and not the peculiar viewpoint of any one writer or group of writers that judgment will be on the basis of works, though salvation is all of grace. Works are important. They are the outward expression of what the person is deep down. In the believer, they are expression of faith. And in the unbeliever, the expression of unbelief as an act of legalism or selfish generosity. I saw a perfect example of a believer's expression of faith just this week. Despite her physical infirmity, she shared with us that she felt convicted that she needed to help with our weekly food ministry once again. She felt that reading the Bible, attending church and home group wasn't enough and that God wanted her to give more of herself. And thus, she willingly set aside her free time to come and assist us. This was also true of another man who is restricted to a motorized wheelchair. He stayed awake one night asking the Lord what else he could do to help. And God inspired him to creatively lead the cars through our food distribution center. Yet another man is undergoing cancer treatment and he deliberately asked that he have Thursdays off so he may continue to give help to give out food. In fact, most who help us in our food to food ministry to feed over 300 families weekly are over 65 years old, choosing to spend their retirement years in service to the Lord and to others. I applaud their efforts and know that God has the same attitude. For we read this in Jeremiah 17:10, I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. In fact, we read in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Beloved, God does not forget what we do in his name as these many verses testify. In Matthew 16, we read that Jesus says, For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Again, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. In Galatians 6, we read, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. In Revelations 22, uh, Revelations 2, verse 23b, I will give to each of you according to what you deserve. And finally, the last chapter in Revelation, we read, Look, I'm coming soon, Jesus says, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. 
Undoubtedly, God remembers all the good we have accomplished for his name's sake. And as a father wants to bless his children, so the father wishes to bless us. As Jesus explains, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if, you, if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Yet if we take his word seriously, and we definitely should, if we are his children and we fail to do good to others, ignore the needs of others, choosing to sit instead of serve, what then? The Lord emphatically states that those who are righteous but do not do righteous deeds, he will judge each of you according to your deeds. We need only ponder two of the parables of Jesus to witness this result. In Matthew 25, the chapter discusses the final judgment, and Jesus tells the story of ten bridesmaids, of whom five are wise and five are foolish. Notice that all of the Lord's bridesmaids, tasked with awaiting the coming of the bridegroom, but only five have gone to the effort to prepare for his arrival. They've gone out ahead of time and obtained the extra oil. They have labored and not rested, made ready and not thought only of their own comfort, concerned with their own affairs. The five foolish have not. They have not been about their master's business, not paid attention to their necessary acts of service, and thus are not ready when the bridegroom arrives. The next parable of the three servants follows the same instruction. All three are provided resources to serve the Lord and are entrusted to invest wisely to further his kingdom. Two are diligent and dedicated and faithfully expanding their master's kingdom by the wise use of the resources he's provided. The third, doubting the character and kindness of his master, does nothing with what God has given him. And his faithful, faithless deeds earn him his reward. What has God called you to do? Have you willingly looked around to ask, how can I help? Have you considered the needs of others and said to God, I'm available? God is looking for the willing. Isaiah realized this when he noted, then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send who will, as a messenger to my people? Who will go for us? Having heard this question, Isaiah immediately responded, here I am, send me. What about you? Will you have any good deeds for God to remember? Are you sitting or serving? Are you willing to accomplish the deeds that God has set before you? As we've seen with those who are helping with our food bank, we are all called to serve. Age or infirmity does not restrict us, for God assigns us tasks with all of this in mind. It's our willingness of heart that God approves and applauds. Let us live our lives accomplishing all that he desires. God bless you, beloved. God bless you.